Welcome to the More Sure Word Podcast with Pastor Matt Russell, teaching and explaining the Word of God verse by verse for your spiritual growth. Here's Pastor Matt with today's sermon. Father, we thank you that we get to return to your Word tonight. I pray that as we hear your Word and we study your Word, that it would increase our love for you, our, lo- our love for Christ, our love for the Holy Spirit within us, and that love would overflow to love for one another and love for those in the world who desperately need the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our minds and our hearts tonight, that we would treasure your word in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. I pray this in your name. Lord Jesus, and in your will. Amen. All right, let's turn back to the letter of 1 John. Tonight we will be looking at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. I've titled this section, Got Love? You may remember the old uh, Got Milk commercials. Our question before us tonight is, got love. And as you're turning to 1 John chapter 2, I want to read to you from the Gospel of Matthew about an occasion where the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, was encountered by the Pharisees seeking to test him. Listen to Matthew chapter 22 verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so I ask you, what would you answer? Out of all of this portion of scripture, what is the greatest of God's commandments? What summarizes the whole law of God? let's see what the lord jesus said and he said to them you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and foremost commandment the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. The whole law of God can be summarized in two commands. Love God with all your being and love one another as yourself. So, if you are obedient to God's commands, what will be evident in your life? Love, right? So, with that, what is a surefire way to know if someone truly knows the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Look at their life. Is their life a pattern of love? But then you have to ask the question, what is love? How does God define love? The world has many definitions for what love is. But what is love actually 
And can a Christian be a Christian and their life not be patterned in love? Or to say another way, can a Christian be someone who's neutral? Can a Christian be someone who doesn't really love the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ or doesn't really love those in the world? John wants to help us answer those questions. And if you remember, he's writing to the believers in Asia Minor so that they will know if they are truly saved, if they have eternal life. And he began his assurance by reminding them of who God is, the God of light. Chapter 1, verse 5. And in order to reassure them that they know this God of light, you'll remember that he gave the assurance of walking in the light, that the pattern of your life is in the light. And the other assurance was that you obey God's commandments. But what does that mean? To obey God's commandments. And how do I do that? Let's read 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11 together. John continues to give us assurance of our salvation. He says, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. But on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In this passage before us tonight, I want us to see five truths about love which will help reveal where we stand spiritually. Five, John gives us five truths about love that help assure us of our relationship with God or else convict us of the lack of relationship we have with God. And he does so by turning to love. Turning to love. Let's look at the first truth that he gives us. The first truth comes in verse 7. And it's the history of love. The history of love. Look again in verse 7. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. The commandment. What is the commandment? Notice how he begins verse 7. Beloved. Literally, loved of God. The loved ones. And then in verse 9, he talks about hate. Verse 10, love. Verse 11, hate. This commandment has to do with love. The law of love. God's law of love. He's saying, and and what he's saying is, is that this law of love, this commandment to love, it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment. And it's one, look again at verse 7, which you have heard and one that is from the beginning. In other words, it's a commandment. It's the same commandment that you heard from me when I came to you the first time. It's the same commandment which you heard over and over in your life from the Old Testament. 
we heard in Matthew 22, Jesus recite those two commands that fulfill, summarize the whole law. Well, where was he getting that? Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Way back. Spoken by Moses. Spoken by God through Moses. Love the Lord your God with all your being. What about the other? Listen to Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It was always the command of God to love. Love was always the fulfillment of God's law. You say, how? How is it that love fulfills all 600 plus commands that God gave to Israel? Let's illustrate this by turning to Exodus 20. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Who knows what Exodus chapter 20 is? It's the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Let's begin with the first four that have to do with your relationship to God. And answer me this, starting at the first commandment. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, will you... Have other gods beside him? No. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, will you make an idol or fashion a carved image? No. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, will you use his name in vain? Use his name disrespectfully. No. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, will you refuse... To take time to worship him as he is commanded. No, you'll keep worship holy. Okay, so that's the fulfillment of the law of love in God. But what about with one another? Well, let's look at the next six commands and answer me this. If you love others as yourself, will you refuse to honor your father and mother? No, if you love others as yourself, will you murder (laughs) no if you love others as yourself will you commit adultery no if you love others as yourself will you steal if you love others as yourself will you lie about your neighbor for their destruction if you love others as yourself will you covet what they have and you don't no the fulfillment of god's law is love if you love you could fulfill the law of God. The problem is, is we don't love, right? We didn't love. Before God, we were loveless. But what is love? Because we might be able to create our own definition in order to make an argument that we do love. The world comes up with many definitions for love in order to satisfy its desire to love quote-unquote so what is love is it something that you fall into and fall out of i fell into love i fell out of it 
Is it something that causes butterflies to stir in your stomach when you see someone? No, it's not. What is love? Well, if God has commanded us to love in his law, he must be showing us what his nature is like, what it means for him to be loved, because the law of God is always a reflection of his nature. Out of his nature comes his laws. To say it another way, true love must reflect God's perfect attribute of love. So what is God's perfect attribute of love? What does it mean that God is love? What does it mean for God to love? Listen to John 14, 31. Jesus said this, I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Jesus gave up his authority to show that he loved the Father. Jesus gave up his authority so he could show that he loved the Father. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed his love for us by giving his Son. Okay. Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul says, The Son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus loved by giving up his own life. Listen to John fifteen thirteen. Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. What is the meaning of God's perfect attribute of love? God's love means that he gives of himself to us. What is the greatest person? Who is the greatest person in all the universe? God. What is the greatest treasure in all the universe? God. God most loves by giving himself to us. He is loving us by allowing us to have him, to cherish him, to enjoy him, to have a relationship with him. He gives himself to us. And that is what it means for God to love. That he would give of himself, the divine creator, to his mere creation. And so what does it mean for us to love one another in reflection of his love? To actively give of ourself and our life to someone else. To lay down our life, our wants, our needs, our desires, our time, our treasures, our goals, our aspirations, our reputation for the sake of someone else's benefit. To give of ourselves for them. And this has always been God's law of love. And yet John says there's something new about it. The second truth is the epitome of love. Look at verse 8. He says, but on the other hand, I am writing something new in this commandment to you. There is something new about this commandment. But the word he uses for new doesn't mean new chronologically. God is not adding a new commandment into time and space. It means fresh. Something that's new because it has new freshness or new quality. It's clearer. It has a better representation. We saw it dimly before. How is the law of love new? Look what he says in verse 8. It's new in that it's true or realized in Him, in Christ. 
what was true, what was realized about the law of love in Christ. What did we see about God's law in Christ? Or better, how did we see God's law in Christ? We saw the utter reaches of its fulfillment. We saw the embodiment, the depths, the lengths of the love of God in Christ. We saw the full expression of love in the life and example of Christ. For example, we saw the King of Kings in John 13 stoop down to wash the feet of his servants, his disciples. The one who created their feet getting on his knees to wash the dirt off of those feet. The very feet that at times walked away from him. He lovingly went and washed. Or as Paul says in Philippians 2, that the, the eternal God, existing Christ, existing in the very form of God, glory and majesty on His throne, in love, lowered Himself to take on a human body. The eternal one entered time. The all-sufficient one who needs nothing felt hunger, felt tired because of love. The Creator was born of a woman in love. The one who sits on the throne of heaven, born into a stable in love. The one who robes himself in blinding light was stripped and beaten naked in love. The one who knew no sin, holy, 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 became sin on our behalf in love. The one who only knew the blessings of his Father from eternity past experienced the curse of the Father on the cross for us in love. Utter, sacrificial giving of himself for our benefit. We saw the full reaches of love in Christ like we've never seen. Unfortunately, John then turns to the opposite of love to give us a stark reality about what's true of those who've experienced this love of Christ. He says in verse 9, the one who says he is in the light, the one who says he knows God, the one who says he's experienced the very love of Christ. And then look at verse 9, and yet hates his brother. Yet the pattern of his life is hate for his brothers and sisters is in the darkness until now. If love is utter giving of yourself, then hate is utter taking for yourself. It's all about me. It's all about my needs, my wants, my desires, what I value, what I treasure. And if you're not for me, then you're useless to me. You're worthless to me. I'll use you for my gain. And, as, and when you stop becoming useful, I'll push you aside. If you're not for me and for what I'm about, contempt for you, 
disfavor for you. It's about pride. It's about self-worship. And Don says that the one who truly has experienced the saving love of God in Christ, the one who knows and has tasted of the love of Christ and has put his faith in him, he cannot live a life that is patterned in hate. He cannot live in such a way that he doesn't like to be with the people of God, that he doesn't love to serve the people of God, that he doesn't love to spend time and his resources and efforts to build up God's people. And John says that this person is still in darkness until now. They're still in evil. They're still in their sins. Thankfully, John goes on. Look at verse 10. The blessing of love. The blessing of love. Verse 10, he says, the one who loves, the one whose life is patterned in love for his brother abides in the light. He's faithfully in the light. That's what John means there by abides. He continually walks and cherishes relationship with the light, the God of light. He is close to the light. As Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You abide in me. You receive everything from me. John says the one whose life is a pattern of love, he's the one who truly abides in the light. And then look at the blessing there. Look at verse 10. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. What does that mean, John? The person who loves does not fall into sin. We saw how the fulfillment of God's law is love. And so now, with God's love pouring through us in this transformed life, we can actually love God and love others in such a way we don't stumble into sin. That is how we combat sin, by loving God and others more. When the temptation comes in to be prideful, and sin against my brother or sister in Christ, if I love them, if I lay down my life for them, I won't buy into that temptation. If the temptation comes in to rebel against my God, but I love my God more than that temptation, more than what that sin promises, that lie, then I will lay myself down and worship and love and cherish my God and I will not buy into that lie, that temptation, that sin. Love causes us to overcome stumbling, overcome sin. It's all about what we love. We always do what we love. If our favorite dish is before us and our least favorite dish, we're going to choose the one we love. So the question is, how do we love God more? by seeing more and more and more of His love for us in the pages of Scripture, then our love for Him will grow and we will have no cause for stumbling. So the person who continually loves others truly knows God. And when you love God and others, there is no cause for sinning. John goes on, and we see our fifth truth that helps us see a reality of our spiritual standing, and that is the curse without love. Look at verse 11. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness 
and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here's the reality. The person who hates lives and practices other forms of evil. John doesn't just say that he exists in the darkness. He exists in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of sin and evil. He walks around in the darkness. Which is to say, hating isn't the only sin in his life. He's practicing all other forms of evil. He's walking around and existing in the darkness. That hate, that pride, that love for self, and refusal of others causes him to go to all forms of sin that feed himself or herself, that help feed the sinful desires of their heart. And furthermore, look, that darkness causes his eyes or her eyes to be blinded and they don't know where they're going. They say, I know God, I walk in the light. But the reality is, is their eyes are blinded by their sin and they don't know where the light is. And so the more and more that they walk and grope and blindly in the darkness, they're getting further and further away from the light, further and further away from the ability to love God and love others. It just gets worse and worse. They get further and further from the path. And at that point, the only thing that can open their eyes is the blinding light of God's love in the Word of God, showing them, illuminating the path for them to come back. Such a life and practice causes spiritual blindness to the truth. Tough reality. But John wants us to be assured. It's the reason for his writing. He wants us to see this divine love pouring out of our life. This love that we can't explain. Why do I love God so much? And why do I love others? John wants us to be assured. It's an evidence of salvation. You are Christ's. And yes, there are times where we buy into the lie and we hate and we buy into our pride. But John says, you see the pattern of that love you have for God and for others? You are Christ's. You've experienced the love of God. And you are one of His. If we know God, we will love others. And our love will be like the love of Christ. It will be steady. Which is to say it's consistent. Christ never failed to love God and love others. He was tempted at all points as we are, Hebrews says, yet did not sin. Our love will be like Christ's. It will be steady. It will be a seeking love, which is to say our love will seek out to be selfless to others without any guarantee that they're going to reciprocate that love to us. It's a type of love that loves others first before they've done anything for us. And it's also a love that is selfless, that utterly diminishes ourselves so as to build others up. When I was in middle school and high school, I hated to be with the people of God. I'd go to youth group week after week, but I didn't, I didn't connect with them. I didn't understand them. I didn't like being with them. All their desires were different than mine. And one of the most amazing things in my life was when the Lord reached down and loved me first 
and saved me out of the kingdom of darkness, saved me out of my groping blindness, I couldn't believe how much I loved God's people. I pray that we would all experience that love that can only be explained by God himself. Let's pray to him. Father, your love for us is unthinkable. We are nothing but dust that you created. Dust that you breathed life into and we rebelled against you, the divine one. And yet you sought us out and you selflessly gave of yourself to us so that we may be your children in Christ. May we love like that, Lord. May we love each other like that. And for those of us who find themselves unable to do that, I pray your love would enter their life and save them out of the darkness as you did to me. We praise you, Father. We thank you for this time. Help us grow in your image. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the More Sure Word podcast, the preaching ministry of Pastor Matt Russell. We hope you join us again next week. I'm Riley Whittington, and may God bless you in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ.